Chapter eighteen of Tom and Some Other Girls by Mrs. George D. Horn Vasey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Tom arrives. Tom wrote by return to state that she considered Rhoda a brick for sending her such a ripping invitation, that it would be great sport to see her at home, and that she would arrive by the twelve o'clock train on the next Monday she isn't pretty rhoda explained anxiously to harold the fastidious in fact she's plain very plain indeed i'm afraid you won't like her but she likes you she saw you on the platform at euston and said you were a beautiful young man and that she was broken-hearted that she couldn't stay to make your acquaintance good taste evidently though unattractive said harold smiling i'm sorry she's not good-looking but it can't be helped no doubt she makes up for it in moral worth well she does that's perfectly true i loathed and detested her at first but i'm devoted to her now she's just and kind and awfully clever and so funny that you simply can't be in low spirits when she's about all the girls adore her but you won't she says herself that men can't appreciate her so she's going to devote her life to women out of revenge men never care for women unless they are pretty and taking cried rhoda with an air and harold protested sententiously i'm the exception to the rule i look beyond the mere exterior to the nobility of character which lies behind dear tom's lack of beauty is nothing to me i am prepared for it and shall suffer no disillusion he changed his mind however when at the appointed time dear tom arrived and stepped from the carriage on to the platform of the little station when his eye first fell upon her in response to rhoda's excited there she is he felt a momentary dizzy conviction that there must be a mistake this extraordinary apparition could never be his sister's friend but yes it was even so for already the girls were greeting each other and glancing expectantly in his direction he went through the introduction with immovable countenance saw the two friends comfortably seated in the pony carriage and called to mind a message in the village which would prevent him from joining them as he had intended he required a few minutes breathing time to recover his self-possession and the girls drove off alone not at all sorry if the truth were told to be deprived of his company well fuzzy cried tom well tom cried rhoda and stared with wondering eyes at the unaccustomed grandeur of her friend's attire thomasina had done honour to the occasion by putting on her very best coat and skirt of a shade of fawn accurately matching her complexion while on her head was perched that garment unknown at hurst a trimmed hat fawn straw fawn wings sticking out at right angles bows of fawn-coloured ribbon wired into ferocious stiffness such was the work of art and complacent indeed was the smile of its owner as she met her companion's scrutiny got em all on haven't i she inquired genially must do honour to the occasion you know and here's yourself all a-blowing all a-growing looking fresh as a daisy in your grand white clothes indeed then i feel nothing of the kind or it must be a very dejected daisy you've heard the news of course and know that i am plucked concluded tom pronouncing the awful word without a quiver yes thought you would be 
you were so cheap that arithmetic morning you can't do sums when you are on the point of fainting every second minute very good results on the whole yes but isn't it awful for me don't you pity me i never in my life had such a blow bit of a jar certainly but it's over now and can't be helped no use whining said tom calmly and rhoda gave a little jump in her seat after all can any one minister to a youthful sufferer like a friend of her own age tom's remarks would hardly have been considered comforting by an outsider yet by one short word she had helped rhoda more than any elderly comforter had been able to do it was interesting and praiseworthy to grieve over such a disappointment as she had experienced to be sorrowful even heartbroken but to whine that put an entirely different aspect on her grief to whine was feeble childish and undignified a thing to which no self-respecting girl could stoop as rhoda recalled her tears and repinings a flush of shame came to her cheeks and she resolved that whatever she might have to suffer in the future she would at least keep it to herself and not proclaim her trouble on the housetops when the chase was reached tom was taken into the drawing-room and introduced to mrs chester who poured out tea in unusual silence glancing askance at the fawn-coloured visitor who sat bolt upright on her chair nibbling at her cake with a propriety which was as disconcerting to the kindly hostess as it was apparently diverting to her daughter rhoda had been accustomed to see tom play a hundred sly tricks over this sociable meal a favourite one being to balance a large morsel on the back of her right hand and with an adroit little tap from the left send it flying into the mouth stretched wide to receive it and it tickled her immensely to witness this sudden fit of decorum she sat and chuckled and mrs chester sat and wondered until tom politely declined a third cup of tea and was dragged into the garden with entreaties to behave properly and be a little like herself i thought i was charming she declared i tried to copy evie and look exactly as she does when she is doing the agreeable didn't you notice the smile and i didn't stare a bit though i was longing to all the time you do live in marble halls fuzzy and no mistake we could get the whole of our little crib into that one room and we don't go in for any ornaments or falals a comfortable bed to sleep in and lots of books that's all my old dad and i trouble about rhoda thought of the dismal little study at hurst manor with the broken chairs and the gloves on the chimney-piece and could quite imagine the kind of home from which the owner came but she murmured little incredulities as in politeness bound as she led the way in the direction best calculated to impress a stranger tom did not pay much attention to the grounds themselves but she raved over the horses and made friends with all the dogs even old lion the calf-like mastiff who is kept chained up in the stable-yard because of his violent antipathy to strangers when he beheld this daring young woman walking up to his very side and making affectionate overtures for his favour he showed his teeth in an alarming scowl but next moment he changed his mind and presently tom was pinching and punching and stroking his ears with the ease of an old acquaintance i've never met the dog yet that i couldn't master she announced proudly that old fellow would follow me all round the grounds as meekly as a lamb if he had the chance 
we won't try him thank you he might meet a messenger boy en route and we should have to pay the damages come along now and i will show you but at this opportune moment harold came into view sauntering round the corner of the stable and rhoda called to him eagerly glad to be able to impress him with a sense of tom's powers harold look here see what friends tom has made with lion already he lets her do anything that she likes isn't it wonderful by jove exclaimed harold and looked unaffectedly surprised to see his gruff old friend submitting meekly to the stranger's advances tastes differ was the mental comment but aloud he said suavely lion is a good judge of character he knows when he has found a friend yes they all recognize me i was a bulldog in my last incarnation said tom calmly and by some extraordinary power which she possessed of drawing her mobile features into any shape which she chose certain it is that she looked marvellously like a bulldog at that moment twinkling eyes set far apart heavy mouth small impertinent nose all complete harold was so taken aback that he did not know what to say but rhoda dragged laughingly at her friend's arm and cried come along come along it will soon be time to go indoors and dress for dinner and we haven't done half our round i was going to take tom to the links harold she is a great golfer and will be interested in seeing them you'll come too won't you with pleasure they are just our own tame little links miss boulderston which we have faked up in the park you won't think much of them if you are a player but they give an opportunity for private practice and we have some good sport there occasionally oh yes how many holes inquired tom sticking one thumb between the buttonholes of her coat and tilting her head at him with such a business-like air that he felt embarrassed to be obliged to reply nine with a little crossing about some of the distances are very short i'm afraid still it has its points and i played on larger links with less enjoyment we will take a short cut across here to the first hole we start here as you see and a good full cleek shot should land you on the green there are only two holes which really give a chance for a driver now you can see the second green but it's not so easy a hole as it looks from here for the grass is tussocky and one almost always gets a bad lie for the approach yes but why not drive for the green well you see it's rather too far for a cleek and too short for a driver sometimes i try it with a brassy but on the whole i think the cleek is best if you overdrive you get into awful trouble as you will see so the course was gone over and explained and tom's eye was quick to see the possibilities and note the dangers nor did she hesitate sometimes to differ from harold's tactics well said he in conclusion what do you think of em rather sporting aren't they <laughs> yes said tom that fifth hole is a little tricky but i think they ought to be done in a what's your record mm, well it varies of course i'm no pro but i can get round in forty with luck forty humph tom wheeled round on her heel and gazed from right to left with calculating eyes her lips moved noiselessly and then she nodded her head and cried confidently i'll take you i'll play you to-morrow for the better man done agreed harold at once 
but he straightened his shoulders as he spoke with a gesture which meant that he had no intention if he knew it of being beaten by a schoolgirl and his sister looked forward to the contest with very mingled feelings if tom lost it would be a distinct blow yet if tom won how harold would dislike her how hopeless it would be to look for any friendship between them after that she was glad that the game would have to be deferred for a day at least for an evening spent in tom's company must surely install her in public favour when however she went to her friend's room to convey her downstairs to dinner rhoda's confidence was shaken and she nearly exclaimed aloud in dismay at the apparition which she beheld tom in full evening dress was a vision which had been denied to hurst manor but on the present occasion she had evidently determined to pay every honour to her hosts and bony arms and neck emerged festively from a shot silk gown which rhoda felt convinced must have been a possession of the long-deceased mother what do you think of that tom cried proudly rustling round to confront the newcomer arms akimbo and eyes twinkling with complacency there's a natty get-up quite a fashion plate ain't i the very latest from perry you didn't expect to see anything like that did you i didn't cried rhoda truthfully enough but tom suspected no satire in her words and taking up the hand-glass began twisting and turning before the mirror so as to get a view of her hair which was no longer plaited into a pigtail but screwed into a knot the size of a walnut planted accurately in the middle of her head i say what do you think of my coiffure rhoda looked and burst into a shriek of laughter <laughs> oh tom that's it i noticed there was something different but couldn't think what it was oh <laughs> no no tom you can't leave it like that you must make it bigger and wear it either high or low it's too ridiculous that little button just in the very wrong place sit down for one moment and i'll arrange it for you but tom beat her off resolutely with the hairbrush i won't it's my own hair and i like it this way it's distingue not like every other woman you meet now that i've left school and am grown up i must study les convenances and it's fatal to be commonplace i may be prejudiced but it seems to me that in this get-up i'm a striking figure the beaming good-humour of her smile the utter absence of anything approaching envy or discontent struck home to rhoda's heart and silenced further protestations she put her arm round tom's waist gave her an affectionate grip wishing for perhaps the first time in her life that she herself had put on an older frock so that the contrast between herself and her guest should be less marked in the eyes of the household alas socially speaking tom was not a success mrs chester was plainly alarmed by her eccentricities mr chester did not know whether to take her in fun or in earnest and harold's languor grew more and more pronounced the very servants stared with astonishment at the peculiar guest and when dinner was over rhoda in despair took tom up to her own den to avoid the ordeal of an evening in the drawing-room once alone with closed doors and no critical grown-ups to listen to their conversation the hours sped away with lightning speed while tom told of her own plans sympathized with rhoda's ambition and let fall words of wisdom none the less valuable for being uttered in the most casual fashion every now and again the remembrance of her recent disappointment would send a stabbing pain through rhoda's heart but as she had said 
it was impossible to remain in low spirits in tom's company and if no one else enjoyed that lady's society it was precious beyond words to her girl companion the game of golf was played as arranged but though harold came off victor it was too close a contest to be agreeable to his vanity or to increase his liking for his opponent while mr chester confided to his wife that he could not understand rhoda's infatuation for such a remarkably unattractive companion if it had been that sweet little miss everett now she might have stayed for a year and been welcome but i confess i shall be glad when this girl takes her departure she makes me quite nervous sitting blinking at me with those little eyes i have a sort of feeling that she is laughing to herself when she seems most serious oh she could never laugh at you dear she couldn't be so audacious declared mrs chester fondly but i can't bring myself to like her and where her cleverness lies is a mystery to me i never met a more ignorant girl she can neither sew nor knit nor crochet and the remarks she made in the market yesterday would have disgraced a child of ten i pity the man who gets her for his wife but as we have seen thomasina had other ideas than matrimony for her own future as she drove to the station by rhoda's side she fell into an unusual fit of silence and emerging from it said slowly i'm glad i've seen your home fuzzy it's very beautiful and very happy you're all so fond of one another and so nice and kind that it's a regular ideal family i think you are a lucky girl i like all your people very much though they don't like me rhoda exclaimed sharply but tom's smile was without a shadow of offence as she insisted my dear i know it don't perjure yourself for the sake of politeness i'm sorry but i'm accustomed to it strangers don't like me and it's not a mite of use trying to ingratiate myself i did all i knew when i came here i wore my best clothes i tried to behave prettily and you see dead failure as usual you needn't look doleful for no doubt it's all for the best if i were beauteous and fascinating i might be distracted from my work whereas now i shall devote myself to it with every scrap of my strength girls love me and i love them so i'll give up my life for their service we have all our vocation and it would be a happier world if everyone were as well satisfied as i am in work in work in work always let my young days be spent bother it here's the station already and i haven't said half i wanted to nor i to you it's horrid to say good-bye and think of school without you but you'll write to me won't you tom you will promise to write regularly indeed i won't fifty-odd girls implored me to write to them and it's too big an order no my dear fuzz i shall have no time to tell you how busy i am here we part and we must leave it to fate or good fortune when we meet again bless you my infant perk up and be a credit to me but but how am i to know how how am i to hear what happens to you i i can't say good-bye and let you fade away completely as if we had never met it's horrible you must let me know look in the newspapers you will see my doings recorded in the public press replied tom as she skipped into the carriage rhoda looked on blankly her heart sinking with a conviction that tom did not care that it was nothing for her to say good-bye and part without a prospect of reunion she was too proud to protest but waving her hand turned abruptly away and walked out of the station 
the train lingered however and the temptation to take one more peep became too strong to be resisted so she ran along the path for twenty or thirty yards and peered cautiously through a gate from which a side of the carriage in which her friend sat could be commanded tom had leant back in her seat and flung her hat on one side her little eyes were red with tears and she was mopping them assiduously with a ball-like pocket-handkerchief End of chapter 18